Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with you, as always, is the show's producer, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today? Praising God for everything he's done in my life. Amen, amen. And I am so excited for this special edition of the Good Fight Radio Show, where we interview Dr. Gordon Nickel, an Islamic scholar, with books such as The Gentle Answer to the Muslim Accusation of Scriptural Falsification and The Quran with Christian Commentary. We discuss with him how to share the gospel with our Muslim neighbor and what it's like being a scholar in Islamic studies. Thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of the Good Fight Radio Show. I am more than excited to talk with Dr. Gordon Nickel today, who is a Christian scholar and writer on Islamic studies, especially academic study of the Quran. He has a PhD in Quranic studies at the University of Calgary under Dr. Andrew Rippon. And Dr. Nickel has taught on Islam and the Quran at associated Canadian theological schools, University of Calgary, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and the University of British Columbia. He's trained scholars in India and Southeast Asia, and he is the author of Narratives of Tampering in the Earliest Commentaries on the Quran, The Gentle Answer to the Muslim Accusation of Scriptural Falsification, and The Quran with Christian Commentary. We want to thank so much for Dr. Nickel being with us today and sharing with us, and, and God bless you, brother. Praise the Lord. Welcome, welcome to the show. Glad to be with you, and uh, glad to hear about your listeners and your subscribers to your um, uh, social media channels. I'm glad to talk with you today about those books. Well, I'm I'm really, really excited. It, it, these are two books that have been important to me, and I'll get a little bit into that. But before we get into the books, I think that a lot of times people may get this ivory tower idea when it comes to hearing scholars and their work and not realize that there are quite a few scholars that really have their their boots on the ground and doing some wonderful work. And I think one of the ways to help people understand that is maybe to hear a story that I've actually already heard, but I would love for you to tell the audience about your connection with Fox's Book of Martyrs. <laughs> well, it's, it is kind of a, a funny story. It has some sad parts. It starts in, in Pakistan, where um, my wife and our children and I were serving among Muslims, uh, living in Muslim neighborhoods, getting to know them, and seeking to share the share the gospel with him. Now, it so happened that our church was a church that also had that heart for Muslims, and was uh, you know was uh, leading Muslims to Christ, was discipling Muslims, and uh, some people got wind of this in the general population and thought, well, we don't like this. It's a serious thing for a a Muslim to become a Christian in the in the Muslim mind, and so some of them started uh, writing articles against our church and uh, putting pictures of our church and baptisms, and uh, I put a picture of my wife in the in the magazine saying she was converting uh, women to Christ, and my my picture, and so what to do? You know, uh, we we stayed where we were. And we had a great uh, praying community around the world to 
keep us safe, and we were saved by God's grace. It was really a lot harder for those uh, Pakistani Muslims who had become Christians. They, uh, the articles really went after them, and, and life became very hard for them. But the uh, Lord uh, brought us all through that, and some years later, um, I saw that uh, one of the presses had a new edition of Fox's Book of Martyrs. And so, yeah, we were interested to see that, and we paged through it. All of a sudden, we were surprised, because there in the Fox's Book of Martyrs was that page from the magazine in in Pakistan showing my wife and me. And, uh, you know, they were using it as a sort of contemporary example of how uh, Christians can be persecuted, can be uh, uh, hard-pressed. And so, <laughs> yeah, well, we made the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and uh, we we lived to tell about it. <laughs> that, was the, that was the story. <laughs> you, you must be one of the only people to be listed in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and now we get to interview. If we were doing any other interviews, it might be really, really weird for anybody in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you guys haven't seen that, it's just a fin- fantastic piece of work and, and such an awesome encouragement as well. So what what a what a blessing. And so I just want to ask, how did you get started in Islamic studies? Why, why Islam? Well, um, at a certain point in our marriage together, uh, the Lord challenged us to uh, to put our names forward for mission, and uh, our church decided to send us to to Pakistan to get to know uh, a tribal group there, especially and and uh, preach the gospel among them. And the the mission was very forward looking. It said, "Listen, if we're going to send you to Pakistan, you better know something about Islam before you get there. How can you how can you talk to people when you don't know their their worldview and so they gave us a chance to study uh, islam at, in london at the school of oriental and african studies and that started sort of a, um, a academic connection with islam that continued over the years along with our uh, our missionary work in pakistan uh, at the time so now you ended up learning arabic as well at that time right yeah well Initially, we learned the language that is the national language in Pakistan, yeah. uh, Urdu, and uh, got got to be able to speak with that and preach and teach. Uh, and it, it uses a modified Arabic script. Mm. So um, when we were done in Pakistan and, and we were back in North America, uh, I thought, my goodness, I know this script, and a lot of the words in Urdu are Arabic, but I don't know Arabic. So... Uh, Again, we worked it through, and I started a PhD program in which I could learn Arabic in order to read the early commentaries on the Quran for a uh, for for a PhD project. Oh wow! Now, I think that's something that's really interesting because I know from my personal experience of sharing the gospel with Muslims that that quite often they would say, for example, if I'm reading uh, the Quran, I, ha- I have quite a few of them. Uh, you know, typically they're the interpretation by Yusuf Ali. And so I have those Qurans, but they say that's not the Quran. That's only a translation of the Quran, which is something interesting, I think, when it comes to uh, a difference of where like Christian would say, I'm reading my Bible, whether, you know, you know, it's in the language that you learn there in India or this one in America. Is there is there a difference there? Is there a reason why why Arabic and, and why you have to learn Arabic to, to read the Quran? Well, good question. You know, um, 
I'm not sure how, how much this is a, a sincere comment and how much of it is probably uh, maybe looking for an argument. You see, uh, many Muslims say that uh, the Quran is miraculous and that it was, they say, revealed in a language that, that no one else could come up with, like in Arabic, but with, with words and style that, that no human could ever rival. And so this idea about the, the, the Quran being a, a miracle and therefore the messenger of Islam being a true prophet of God, this is their claim. Um, uh, this, is, uh, this is what they started to say. And so, but you know what? Uh, I don't believe it. I, I know the Arabic of the Quran. Um, as you say, we have many good Bible translations. We trust them and we should trust them. Uh, these are by scholars, often a whole committee of scholars, who uh, produce a translation that, that reads well and is accurate to the Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic text. And it's the same thing with the Quran. Uh, you can find good translations and you can understand what's going on in the Quran without needing to know Arabic. So, yeah, a little bit of a, a polemical claim, perhaps, to to sort of say the Quran is is God's word, but uh, I I don't uh, <laughs> I don't go along with it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Good to know. Now I, I want to ask you because you've obviously done a lot of sharing the gospel with Muslims, and I know uh, for us at, at Good Fight we've we've been able to by the grace of God, been able to share the gospel with a, a number of Muslims. And I know I have people in my life, in fact, I just had someone over uh, two nights ago who was dropping off a late Christmas present <laughs> who uh, practices Islam. Yeah. And so we're always trying to look for different ways. And it's 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 a blessing that in the body of Christ, uh, iron sharpens iron. So I would love for you to help us out what, what you think and what you have found over your time to be the most effective way uh, of evangelism when it comes to sharing with our Muslim neighbor. Great. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. And I'm so glad that you uh, get to know Muslims. You're friendly with them. You're you're loving with them. And also your pastor uh, sets an example in this of uh, really wanting to know what's in the mind of Muslims in order to dialogue with them and to lead them to Christ. And, you know, that's that's the first step. The bottom line, you might say, respect and friendship toward Muslims. You know, Muslims are, are people like us. They're, they're created in God's image. Um, you know, the Father sent his Son to die for the Muslims as well. Amen. Uh, Jesus loves them and wants them to be his disciples. And so we should have that same attitude. Let's make the effort to understand Islam in his own, his own terms as, as we can. Not everyone can stop to take a degree, but we can learn a lot about that. And then let's be uh, straightforward about the truth of the gospel uh, and our evaluation of Islamic beliefs and practices according to the criteria of the gospel. Like we don't, it's not just something about prejudice or bias or we don't like this, etc. No, it's about, um, it's about saying the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in the gospel. And that's the standard that we apply to uh, what we hear from Islam. We can be friends with people with whom we disagree and even disagree about some of the most basic things. Uh, there's a, in North America right now, there's a, uh, a kind of crisis about this. It, it's, it's as if we, if we don't agree, 
uh, we hate them or something, or they hate us. Like, what's going on? Why can't we? Why can't we talk together? And so we've always seen this with with uh, Muslims. The second thing is um, the gospel has power, has spiritual power. Uh, Romans one sixteen, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Why would it be ashamed? It's got. Uh, you know, dynamite power <laughs> to save people, all kinds of people, uh, the Jew, the Gentile, the Greek, the Muslim. And so let's be sure to uh, give words to the gospel. It's great to be kind to people, and we should, and love them and, and uh, care for their needs. But that's not what saves people. What saves people is the message of the gospel. What do you think? Is, is that, uh, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, the Deutimus, uh dynamite power, without a doubt, uh, you know, when it comes to it. And the fact, like you said, I, I think that's beautiful because we do believe that, that Jesus died for all. And so it, it is a blessing to hear that and to see the same thing that we're seeing. We want to see Muslims saved. You know, uh, we recently had a, a post on our, our social media and I saw people like, I would never read the Quran, you know, and I was like, well, why? <laughs> you know, we have the truth. We're going to compare it. And you know, reading through the Quran, and I had mentioned this before pre-show, I have a discipleship group uh, that uh, I've been doing now for a little over a year. And when Ramadan came, I said, you know what? I, I had read different testimonies of Muslims who had come to Christ, and a lot of them talked about during Ramadan. Now, we Ramadan had COVID here in the States, so it, it was a little tougher to do this, so we weren't able yeah. to do that. But one of the things that takes place, and one of them told me specifically in their testimony that, hey, you know what, Ramadan's a great time to go, and if they would even have a meal with you, you know, late at night, which I have no problem with that, I like eating, and uh, if they would have a meal with you, and then it's a great time to ask questions, you know, and and to bring Mm -hmm. up, especially because even nominal Muslims at that time are still, typically will practice the um, Ramadan, at least, with to be with their family and things like that. So I said, hey guys, why don't we do something special as a group and let's go through, in a chronological order, the Quran as a, as a group. And then we'll talk about it and we'll, I'll teach on it every Monday and, and we'll, we'll learn. And the first, it was just so interesting, I had already planned that, and your book, your book the, Christian, uh, the Quran with Christian Commentary, it had come out in April, and so I went over to my father-in-law's house and uh, Pastor Joe Schimmel, who's the uh, president <laughs> and founder of Good Fight Ministries, and this book was sitting on the table uh, right right before Ramadan. And so he's like, hey, it's yours, bro. Have, have it. I'm going to get another okay. copy. And then a number of the other brothers <laughs> did as well. And this has been a, a wonderful a wonderful piece of literature, I know, for, for myself, and it was very easy for me to read and to get through, and we did. We, we read every day, and we got through the entire Quran chronologically in a month. It's actually not too bad. It's a lot easier at the beginning of the month because we did it by chapter, and in the beginning, uh, a lot of the chapters are much shorter, and then they get longer <laughs> as you go. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was such a blessing to have this piece of literature, and I, I just wanted to, for our audience, encourage you guys, if, if you're thinking about, hey, I'd love to know what my Muslim neighbor believes, know what they, what they see in the Quran. This is a great commentary to kind of give you a background. And I wanted to talk about the nature of it because it's a little different than a lot of the Islamic resources we may find because I, I don't believe it's much of a polemical nature but more of informational, uh, so, to, so to speak. So if you could talk a little bit about the background on the commentary that you wrote. 
Sure. Uh, can I make just a couple of comments about some great things you said? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you put your finger on two things that uh, that are really important. First of all, uh, uh, you know, sitting down with Muslim friends, eating together, um, you know, one-on-one is better when you're when you're talking about stuff that co- can be controversial. In crowds, sometimes your friend might might want to defend Islam to show others that that he's a good Muslim. But when you're sitting together, that's when you can you can talk talk freely. And also the Holy Spirit is there to uh, touch the heart of your friend. Second thing is I love to hear about your your discipleship uh, group and uh, greet them from me. I just think that's so fantastic. That was our experience in Pakistan with those who did come to the Lord, to meet every week, to eat together, uh, to uh, laugh and sometimes cry together. And the, the, you know, the, the Muslim that comes to Christ often faces huge challenges from his family and community. So that group becomes very, very important uh, to keep in touch and to, uh, you know, go through the Bible together as, and, uh, and, to, and to show your love and to pray together. This is really important. So thanks for that. Yeah, about, uh, about the commentary, uh, this was a very good chance for me because, uh, you know, it's been th- more than 30 years of studying Islam and the Quran and, and living with Muslims. And so uh, I've taught this course many times, like at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and other places, uh, to you know go through the Quran with some Christian students and uh, to to note the things that are important, especially the things that are said there in the Quran about our faith. Uh, the Quran came out uh, 600 years later than the Gospel accounts. That's what we're talking about: the seventh century. And so the the Bible was all over the Middle East in many languages, and Christians were all over there. Jews were there. Uh, so Islam, when it developed, had to reckon with the pre-Islamic scriptures. And uh, so uh, it's this is something that uh, really came out to me when I uh, started to write the Quran with Christian commentary, is that the Quran itself, addresses Christians, addresses Jews, and it uses a, an expression, oh, people of the book, you know, it says, it, it's, it's speak, speaking to people who aren't Muslims. And it says things about us, about what we believe, about what we do. And it also says things, uh, some things about how Muslims should treat non-Muslims. Now, that's, that's all interesting to non-Muslims, right? Mm. And so that's so one of the angles that I took writing um, the commentary. And as I went through, uh, I was not polemical. You're absolutely right. I wasn't trying to argue. Uh, I explained many parts just as to how Muslims understand them. And um, much of this comes out in commentaries on the Quran. Islam is a very traditional faith. It's not like people sit down today and read the Quran in a circle and then say, this is what it means to me. That doesn't happen, actually. Uh, Islam is traditional. The Quran means what it's meant for over a thousand years. That is, the great uh, exegetes or commentators on the Quran gave the meanings, and that's the meaning. It's traditional. You accept what comes from the past. And so many of the parts of the Quran, I knew already how most Muslims see them, and I tried to explain those kinds of things. 
And so this is one uh, element in the book. But I was I was very careful to find anything that had to do with the Jewish faith, the Christian faith, with the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament, and then to interact with what the Quran was saying. Not just to argue against it, but to, to explain it, and then to give a response, as, as anyone would in a good conversation. Yeah, it's interesting. In the introduction to, to Surah 5, you wrote this. It says, It is surely remarkable, and for many readers perhaps surprising, that the first four long surahs of the Quran should devote so much material to and about the, quote, people of the book. So who are the people of the book in the Quran? Well, good question. It's not always clear uh, who's meant. Sometimes it seems to be Christians and Jews, many times just Jews, and sometimes just Christians. Uh, but it, it sort of never does the equal uh, equation. It doesn't say uh, the people of the book are Jews and Christians. Uh, and so that comes up a lot, you're right. And um, non-Muslims have sort of heard that people of the book is a, is a nice term, maybe an endearing term, because it's saying people have, who have a scripture, and they're good because they have a scripture. But in fact, in the Quran, uh, the number of times people of the book comes up, and especially when people of the book are addressed, it's usually polemically, that is, to um, to aim at the roots of the Christian and Jewish faith, to knock them down a bit, and uh, to give this new message of the Quran and Islam in its place. Now, it's interesting because in your introduction, I want to—I was going to switch this up a little bit on you, because in your introduction, just talking about the Quran as a whole, you said, quote, the contents of the Quran come from the Middle East in the 7th century AD, though scholars do not agree on precisely how or where it came together. The Quran um, that most Muslims use today reflects a decision of Muslim leaders in Egypt in 1924 to adopt one particular reading of the text from among many possible and officially accepted readings. Now, I'm just wondering, this is me as a, as a layman, why was it that Muslims chose this edition, and were there other editions that could have been chosen at that time? Yeah, uh, the word there is uh, one particular reading. Reading is, is, a, is a special term for Arabic, uh, because Arabic is a language that has uh, uh, generally consonants, and then as Arabic developed, people put marks above or below the uh, consonant to give the vowel sound. In other words, most of the Qurans, the early, uh, well, all of the early Qurans don't have the vowels showing. And uh, many of the early Qurans are not even certain on which consonants those are because uh, because in Arabic, a certain shape can be up to five different consonants. And so if you have a text that has no vowels, um, if you start to put the vowels in, it, it can mean different things. Like, for example, if it can be an active verb or it can be a passive verb. 
or it can be something uh, even completely different because of where the vowels are put. So uh, Islam developed um, a number of accepted readings, that is, uh, putting the vowels in for the whole Quran. Uh, they accepted 10 to 14 uh, readings that were were accepted by the Muslim leaders. And so in 1924, when um, Muslim leaders in Egypt wanted to uh, print a Quran for the uh, educational system and for Muslims generally, they chose one of those 14 readings and they, they marked all the, all the consonants with a certain set of vowels, right? So this is, this is what, I know it's complicated and I'm probably not uh, explaining it very well, but <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what we mean by readings. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it's not the same reading as, for example, in North Africa. It's not the same reading, perhaps, as in Iran or South Asia. And so uh, that's why I say they chose one and just says this will be it. Yeah, because I've been told quite often uh, out on the streets that the Quran has perfect preservation, that there's no, it's different, you know, the Bible, we have manuscripts and we see, you know, these discrepancies and these variants and therefore you guys have variants and different readings, but I'm told when I'm on the streets that the Quran has perfect preservation down to the letter. Is this something that is common in Islamic teaching? Yes, it sure is. Um, parents would say that to their children. Uh, the imams would say that to their congregations. This is what people um, uh, learn, and they uh, they keep uh, saying it. It's just actually not true. Uh, as I said, the earliest manuscripts are lacking the vowels, and uh, as I said, often the consonants are uncertain. It's a it's it's a kind of in inbuilt uh, variation. Dr. Keith Small, another Christian scholar, uh, described it this way, that it, it's very many variations uh, in the same word. And uh, so some have followed that up. And um, yeah, there's a lot actually happening on social media at this very time about the certainty of the preservation of the Quran. Um, and uh, it's it's really come up on Twitter and YouTube, um, but think of it. So though that skeleton, that what people call the continental skeleton of the Quran, had to be marked with all kinds of uh, marks to so that people can read correctly. Because most Muslims in the world don't know Arabic, but they want to read the Quran because that's where the merit comes from. And so they made a system so that you can read it in India, you can read it in Indonesia, even though you don't know Arabic at all. And so that system of marking all the vowels, and there are some other things that they mark as well, um, that system had it to be had to be added, right? It was not there at the beginning. And uh, most scholars say it, it took about 300 years to work out the whole system so that someone could read it, Two, two people can read it in the same way. 
Wow, that is really, really incredible. And if you guys are listening, we have Dr. Gordon Nickel with us, the author of The Christian Commentary on the Quran, and also The Gentle Answer, which we'll be talking about here, but he was just explaining some very important things, especially if you're out sharing the gospel with Muslims. If you care about your neighbor enough to go and speak truth, make sure you're listening. Make sure you're getting these resources and and growing. Don't just have somebody you know, set aside, you say, oh, I don't even pay attention to that stuff. No, we care about what they believe so that we can speak to it. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.